morning. Man, it is awesome to be back at PV. That's what I told first hour. But I do got to tell you, Brad Erickson, you're smart. Like, you're really smart. Like, I'm going to dumb this down now, okay? I'm not going to be able to meet those expectations. That guy is smart. I always think of Brad's grandfather. Every time I get up here, I look at this microphone, I always think Al used to get up and he goes, can you hear me okay? <laughs> That's my Al Allen impersonation. I am happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this sermon for many months. And uh, I will tell you, Warren Steele down at Outpost, they're, they're worshiping right now. Uh, down in Douglas, he sent a text. He said he misses you guys and he loves you guys. And, uh, and we do, and we definitely thank you so much for your prayers, your support. I can't tell you how many times people have called and, and texted and, and just wanted to edify us and, and build us up, and it's been awesome, and uh, God's working down there. The other day, I was on the phone with a guy named Paul Marvel. I don't know if you know Paul, but uh, he's the ugly guy right over there. Uh, Paul and I were having a really good conversation. I can't even remember what it was about, maybe this sermon, but it had a lot to do with Jesus, I know that, and it was just one of those conversations where the Holy Spirit sort of finishes your sentences, right, Paul, and, and it was like pretty deep, and you just felt really good, and I said, Paul, I said, man, I just want to take communion right now, like I want to take communion, so I will tell you it was enjoyable to take communion with Paradise Valley Christian Church first hour and second hour. It's enjoyable to be with you guys, especially at Christmas. And Charles has been in the middle of a sermon series on journeys to Christmas. And, and we've been talking about the various people who have been making journeys to Christmas Day some 2,000 years ago. And, you know, you, you think of all those people. You think of the wise men. And I don't know if, if when you think of the wise men, do you visualize, you know, three guys on camels making that long journey across deserts, maybe with a caravan, a caravan of people and servants and those gifts that they were going to deliver to Jesus. And you think of the star, right? When you think of the wise men, you think of the star and you think we got to follow the star. That's, that's God's way of saying we're, we're on the right course, right? And you think they encountered Herod. And they, I'm sure they encountered other people in their journey. And then you think of the shepherds. You think of the shepherd's journey. And here these, here these men are just minding their own business, right? Out in the fields, taking care of their sheep. And then all of a sudden, angels from heaven appear to them. And it freaks them out like they're scared to death. And then their journey to Christmas begins. They're on their way to Bethlehem. And then, of course, when you think of journeys to Christmas, you can't forget about Mary and Joseph. And the challenges that they had, this young couple, all the things they went through, but they remained obedient to God every step of the way. To try to define journey, there's two definitions that I found when trying to just get a Webster's Dictionary out and look up the definitions. And the first definition is journey is an act of traveling from one place to another. Going from one place to another. And the second definition, which I really like, is journey is defined as a long and often difficult process 
personal change and transformation. When we think of these journeys, when we think of Mary and Joseph, and we think of the shepherds, and we think of the wise men, they definitely went from one place to another. We can all agree with that. And I would say this morning that we can all agree that their lives would be transformed forever. Forever. Coming face to face with the Messiah. Coming face to face with the Son of God. And I'm going to tell you this morning that when you come face to face with Jesus, it has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. And this morning, we're going to talk about one more journey to Christmas. A journey unlike any other. And that would be Jesus' journey to Christmas. When we compare Jesus' journey to Christmas to, say, of Mary and Joseph or the wise men or the shepherds, it's easy to make the assumption that Jesus' journey was short. It was a short journey. While others traveled great distances and had challenges and talked to angels and confronted obstacles and had to meet with Herod and, and go through all these processes and follow a star and travel great distances, it's real easy to assume that Jesus avoided all that, that he just showed up. We think immediately of him being conceived and then he's born. I was talking to my cousin Seth Amory the other day, many of you guys know Seth. And if you know Seth, he likes to joke around. He's a preacher who likes to joke. And uh, I asked him, I said, Seth, I said, what do you think about when you think of Jesus' journey to Christmas? Poor Seth, like our crazy family, he says, well, I guess nine months of darkness, and then boom, here I am. Lots of light, and Jesus is here, but that's obviously not the case, is it? We know it was much more than that. Jesus' journey to Christmas was unlike any other. It was unique. It had never happened before in the history of human events. And this morning I want to talk about three highlights of Jesus' journey to Christmas. The three things that really stand out to me. The three things that should stand out to you, I hope. And the first point is unlike any other journey to Christmas, Jesus' journey began before the foundations of the earth. The foundations of the world, even. Je Let me say that again. Jesus' journey to Christmas began before the foundation of the world. Contrary to what some people may believe about Jesus, the start of his existence did not begin at Bethlehem. He is much more than that. His journey started long before creation, before Adam and Eve, before the garden. He was always there. Jesus even tells the Pharisees that. He says, I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was born, I am. Doesn't that give you cold chills? I said first hour, and I'm probably going to make the same I, I, there's like five verses that I keep saying, this is my favorite verse, this is my favorite verse. And, and eventually we came to the conclusion in first hour that I think all of them are my favorite verses. But that one just really sticks with me. Before Abraham was born, I am. It's important to point out that Jesus' journey wasn't some random occurrence. 
It wasn't that God was just sort of strolling along through history and thought, you know what, let's bring Jesus into this. That would be cool. It was always part of the plan. He was always there. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, it's Peter the apostle, and he says, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you. Micah 5, 2 tells us, but as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler of all Israel. And this is the cool part right here. His goings forth are from long ago from the days of eternity. Jesus didn't get his start in Bethlehem. He's bigger than that. And it's very clear from Micah and the Apostle Peter that Jesus, the Messiah, was truly unique and extraordinary. He was an eternal being. He was a heavenly body whose existence stood outside the realms of time. And unfortunately, just like many of us believe that his beginning started at birth, we also make the common misconception that Jesus is only in the New Testament. I've met many Christians who think that. It's very unfortunate. I've even met people who will say, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's two different gods. you got a mean God in the Old Testament and a real nice God in the New Testament. And that's very unfortunate because we know that it is not true. Jesus was there. He's always there. Jesus himself makes this clear. In John 17, 5, he says, Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, listen to this, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. That is Jesus talking. I was with you, and I had glory with you before the world was. I think this Christmas, the only way to understand fully Jesus' journey to Christmas and how unique it was is to understand that Jesus was God in the flesh. That he was fully man and he was fully God. He was the God-man. John, the Apostle John, here I go again, my favorite verse in the Bible, other than the other one, of course. It's a close second. You look at John chapter 1, and he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. You skip down to verse 14 in John chapter 1, he says, and the word became flesh and what? Dwelt among us. I said first hour, Matthew and Luke, they get all the glory of the Christmas stories this time of year, right? We go to their gospels, we go to Luke, we go to 
I think the Holy Spirit just gave John one verse, okay? You get one verse to talk about Christmas, and that's the one he chose. Verse 14 of chapter 1 of John. And he said, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's powerful. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And not only does John remind us that that Jesus is God in flesh, but he tells us that he is also the creator of all things. Jesus, the Messiah, the God-man, he is the creator of all things. Colossians 1, 15 through 17, I love the way Paul writes this to the Colossians. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. How much do you never see? That's not proper English, I know. How, how, what are things that you never see? Sails, molecules, gravity. Have you ever seen gravity? Yeah, in Wyoming, yeah. You, you definitely see wind, right? Jesus created those things too. It goes on to say that whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him he holds all things together. Jesus holds it all together. This book you have your Bible this morning and you're looking at it, this is a book about Jesus, the whole thing. And the first 39 books are Jesus' journey to Christmas. He's telling you it's coming, there's details, there's examples, there's symbolisms, he even appears, Jesus' journey to Christmas is in this book. reminds the Pharisees of this in John 5 46 he says for if you believed Moses you would have believed me for he wrote about me Moses wrote about Jesus the first five books the Pentateuch the Torah Genesis Exodus Leviticus it was about Jesus when you read that think God's telling us about Jesus. This is about Jesus. We see Jesus all throughout the Old Testament. His journey to Christmas. We see him in Genesis. The verse that gives me cold chills. My favorite verse next to the other two. Let us make man in our image. Who is God talking about? Us and our. Jesus was there. Elohim, the word that describes God, is a plural word. The triune God was present. Jesus was there. We see the symbolism of Jesus in the flood story. When Noah and his whole family got on the ark. And they went through one door. One door. And that one door today is Jesus. He will save you from the flood. But you have to go through him. There is no other door on the ark. And God was showing us that thousands of years ago. We see his nature written into the very letter of the Levitical law. 
We see his nature in the tabernacle, the priesthood, the blood sacrifice for the atonement of sins. We see him in the Passover. Who was saved in the Passover? Those who were covered by what? The blood of the lamb. Jesus was there. We see a foreshadowing of his sacrifice with Abraham and Isaac when God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son. There are over 300 prophecies about Jesus throughout the Old Testament. We even see him appear pre-incarnate in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He was there. And there were other occurrences as well. David McLeod, a Christian author and Bible professor in New Testament theology, says that Jesus' existence as a man is a continuation of his previous or prior existence as a heavenly being. The word who dwelt among us is the same as the word who was with God before time began. The second point that Jesus makes, and Bradley should probably come up and and do this all over again, is his humility. His humility. Jesus' journey to Christmas was about humility. When we study the way Jesus came to earth, we can't help but recognize his humility. I don't know about you, but humility is really hard for me. Pride is so much easier. Would you agree? It's so much easier to just be prideful than humble. I heard it once said, I want to be humble. I want to be a humble person, but I'm afraid nobody will notice. That's when you guys are supposed to laugh. We need an applause or a laugh button. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> John Maxwell, a world-renowned Christian leadership consultant, said that humility and servant leadership are the two biggest challenges facing world leaders today. World leaders, politicians, business leaders, and even the church are susceptible to pride. As we examine Jesus' journey to Christmas, one thing is very clear to me. There is not a world leader that ever existed that would have wanted to arrive on earth the way Jesus did. None. Not ever and not ever will be. He chose an obscure small town called Bethlehem. That's like Glenrock. It's a, it's a nothing. There's, I better not say that. Too loud. We live there. It, it's, it's, it's very small. His mother was a teenage girl with no status or royalty to speak of. By all accounts, the world would have seen Mary as a nobody. As a nobody. She wasn't a queen. She wasn't living in a castle. His father, his father wasn't a warrior. He was a carpenter. A lowly carpenter. A simple carpenter. I mean, Joseph... He's the guy you want your daughter to marry, right? I mean, he's the guy. But according to secular society, he was a nobody. He was a nobody. There was no room for Jesus. The world wasn't ready for him. There was no red carpet, no fancy ceremony. There was no castle to be warm in. No servants by his side to wait on his every beck and call. Like Bradley said, he was born in a cave with feces 
and animal hair. He was humble. He was laid in a trough for animals to eat out of. That's Jesus' journey to Christmas. Philippians 2, verse 6 through 8. It says, although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. And being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by being obedient to the point of death on a cross. No world leader in their right mind choose Jesus' journey to Christmas. No one. Jesus' journey to Christmas was one of humility. And his love was so deep and so intimate for you that he walked out of heaven and came down here to be present with us. He came down so we can go up leads to my third and final point. Jesus' journey to Christmas was a journey of love. It was a journey of love. The other night in Douglas, hopefully you guys know this, Keaton Steele, Warren's oldest son, Kalen's oldest son, got baptized. He accepted Jesus as his Savior. Got baptized. That's awesome, right? Of course, we don't have a baptistry yet at Outpost. Uh, Warren's bathtub is not big enough. And we're probably not building one anytime soon, so we called around and we found the First Baptist Church, said, come on over and use our baptistry. It was sort of funny because they kept the, what, what happened, the, the lock, they forgot to take the lock off the baptistry. <laughs> and so we were there and we didn't have a key, so we had to move Christmas trees and climb over to get down into the water. Nothing was stopping this baptism. But you know, as I was sitting there watching Warren baptize his son, I thought, man, this is my sermon. This is it. Jesus' journey to Christmas. He came here for Keaton Steele. That's why he came. He came here for Keaton. He came here for you. The late Billy Graham once said, he didn't come just to be born. He came to die. His death was planned before the foundation of the world. This is the message of Christmas, Billy Graham says, that you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. We look at John 3.16, another of my favorite verses, number five now. It's very clear when it says, for God so loved the world. That's you and me. That he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that who whosoever believes in him whosoever it doesn't matter what you've done what sin you have in your life who your parents are where you live how much money you have it's whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life i want you to think about that for a moment all that we've talked about this morning jesus fully god and fully man the creator and the sustainer of all things, the author of love, the author of life, the author of this book, 
He can calm the storms. Paul says he holds all things together. Jesus, he holds atoms together. He holds molecules together. His existence, his very existence, gives us what we need to survive. He keeps the sun and the moon just at the right distance. He holds us together. That guy, that guy came here for you. I have a question for you this morning. Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? Because he's ready to meet you. He was ready to meet Keaton Steele the other night. He was there. Just like he's here this morning for Thomas Sale. And he is here. Francis Chan spoke of a time on Christmas Day years ago when there was an elderly couple in their church who had been married for some 60 years and it was Christmas Day and his wife was dying. And Francis went to be by their side as any pastor would, wanted, would want to be with them. And the husband, who knew he was probably going to lose his wife that day, was holding her hand, hard story to tell, <laughs> was holding her hand, and Francis, who's sort of sitting at a distance, praying, hears her husband say, Honey, wake up. And she wakes up, and he says, Guess what? And she said, What? He said, you die today, you get to spend Christmas with Jesus. You die today, you get to spend Christmas with Jesus on his birthday. Don't you want that? Don't you want that? That confidence? And Francis said her response was awesome. She looked at her husband and said, I don't know if you heard me. That is so cool. That's what she said. She was ready. She was ready to see Jesus on his birthday, and she did that day. Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? Isn't it amazing? How when Jesus is the nucleus of our relationships, how much better they are. Have a relationship with someone who doesn't know Jesus and then have a relationship with someone who does. You tell me which one's better. Right? That, that couple whose wife died on that Christmas day years ago. You could tell by listening to Francis talk. The nucleus of their relationship with Jesus the Son of God, and it gave them great peace and joy and confidence. You may be thinking this morning, you know what, Justin, I hear what you're saying, but I've got sin in my life. I've made some really bad choices. It's, it's, I'm too far gone. I, I, you don't know me. You don't know who I'm living with. You don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I drink. You don't know what drugs I'm on. You don't, you don't know what debt I'm in. You're probably saying that. You're saying, Justin, it sounds good, but he doesn't want anything like that. 
Or you may be thinking, you know what, I've got to get things put together first. You know, before I go talk to Charles, I want to go talk to Charles, and I want him to baptize me, but, but, but I've got to get stuff put together in my life first. And then I'm going to go talk to Charles. I'm going to come talk to you. I'm going to, I'm going to talk to someone about after I get it all put together. Let me tell you, you won't. You won't. Or maybe you think, you know what? I'm not really of value. I don't know the Bible like Larry does. To hear him talk, I, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to follow Jesus because I don't know. I can't tell you where Genesis is and I can't tell you where Revelation is. So I'm not ready. Yes, you are. Let me tell you something. Jesus values you more than anyone else ever will. And he wants to love you right now. As you are. And I'm going to tell you another thing. that Even some Christians struggle with this. Jesus is unfazed by your sin. He could care less. He could care less. You can't put it all together. And he knows it. That's why he came. When the world sees an adulterous, unclean woman who's had five husbands and is sleeping around with another man right now, we see a horrible person, a sinner, and Jesus says, I see someone who's going to take my word to the Samaritan people. A woman, unclean, according to the Jews. A sinner. Jesus sees someone who's going to take the gospel for the first time to the Samaritan people. Not Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John. Not the religious man. He sees in chapter 4 someone that I, to be honest, would never pick to take the gospel into Samaria. When, when we see a radical religious murderer who drags women and children out of their homes, Jesus sees the Apostle Paul. When we see a traitor and a tax collector and a political oppressor, Jesus sees Matthew, the tax collector. Are you ready to meet Jesus this Christmas? He journeyed here for you. And he's here for you. I just want to close with this brief. In February of 2019... My mother-in-law passed away, and then two months later, I found out my mom had terminal cancer, and she died in July of that year, just a few months after Jamie's mom passed away. And then after that, my sister, my wife's sister passed away unexpectedly. And then after that, my daughter-in-law's brother, who's just a, a young man, passed away unexpectedly. And then after all that, we're thinking, whew. What a year. And then my dad passed away. Within 20 months, my kids lost all their grandkids. Unexpected. My dad was in his late 60s, still young. Are you ready to meet Jesus this morning at Christmas? You never know when your time's up. We don't know that. We don't know he may return in an hour. He may return in 30 seconds. We don't know. 
ready to make that decision this morning. I pray that you do not put it off. What an amazing Christmas it could be. You can look back on Christmas 2021 and you can say, I got baptized that day. I'm ready now. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this moment to be here with Paradise Valley Christian Church. I thank you for the Christmas season and all its glory and beauty and wonder and how it reminds the world that Jesus, who was born 2,000 years ago, always was. He was always here and he made a journey here to earth. He came down so that we can go up. Lord, I just pray that if there's someone here this morning who needs to make a decision, I pray, God, that they don't put it off. 